0: Well, what a delight to uh, see you here tonight. It's a blessing. And uh, we've had a great day. Uh, Got out and saw some beautiful countryside and uh, enjoyed ourselves immensely in the fellowship we've had with those that uh, had us in. Praise God for you. And um, just a wonderful set of meetings as far as I'm concerned. I've I've had a great time myself. I don't know about anybody else, but it's been a real blessing. Um, Just a little housework here, a little tidy up. Um, Thank you so much uh, for your graciousness toward me and my family and also to pray for us as we continue on. Though I don't get back to your church, I'm going to be two more trips to Australia. Uh, next year, one to North Queensland and uh, a couple of churches in Sydney. And then uh, in uh, the middle of the year, in June, I'll start at Fern Tree Gully with a series of meetings. And then the rest of it will be uh, in South Australia, churches out there, uh, and one in Sydney on my way back out. But uh, just so that you can stay up with what we're trying to do... Um, We'll be finishing up the Australian side of our ministry then, but I'll continue, by God's grace, to preach in Canada uh, where there are about 30 churches that uh, I've had the privilege of ministering in up there for the last 38 years or so. And um, we'll try to have some meetings there as well as uh, there's several churches in the north eastern part of the United States uh, that helped Jenny and I when we decided to come to Australia. Uh, They helped us financially to get here and helped us along the way. Uh, But I'd like to avail them with the opportunity to have some uh, reporting type meetings. I'm going to go back and uh, report as to what uh, we've done here for the last 42 years but also um, try to have some revivals up there. Uh, They uh, can sure use it. It's a very liberal thinking area, progressive area, and uh, I'd like to go in there and beat some pulpits up there as well (laughs) and just see what happens. But um, Anyway, you can continue to pray for us. We've got some more ministry yet here in Australia, and then, of course, next year we'll be uh, winding it up And uh, thinking of you, uh, praying for you, glad to have been uh, enabled to be a part of your uh, Christian lives and uh, seen a few souls saved over the years here, and it's just uh, been a real delight uh, for me and uh, uh, for uh, the ministry that God called me to all those years ago. Um, Also... Uh, Just a great big thank you to pastor and his dear wife and um, the friendship and fellowship over the years has been encouraging and uh, it's encouraging to see the longevity of ministries like the McConnell's in Benella, uh, the Vesley's down in Calvary, but also your pastor and his wife here for many, many years just faithfully uh, preaching, teaching, discipling helping people, and uh, you don't find it too often, but uh, these men have been a, a joy to work with, and I want you to continue to pray heartily for them as well in their days. Uh, the, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, and uh, uh, if I can leave you with any thoughts at all, I want to leave you with the thoughts of keeping your eyes on Christ by staying in the Bible, praying each day, sharing your faith, being involved in ministry, uh, whether it be a housekeeper in the, in the place of the Lord's work or whether it just be going out and uh, passing out tracts for an hour or so every, every week. But stay involved. Don't, uh, don't let yourself get cool. Uh, keep putting the wood on the fire, so to speak. But I encourage you to do that. But you've been a blessing to me. I appreciate it very much. Once my life was like a dreary wilderness With the shadows all around me day by day When I sought the Lord for help in my distress Jesus spoke in love and shadows fled away Jesus wrought a miracle of love, Jesus wrought a miracle of love. When he changed this heart of mine by the power of grace divine, it was a miracle, a miracle of love. Jesus changed my life into a garden fair, and he dwells within my heart. And gives me peace, just to know I have his saving presence there, keeps me singing of this miracle of grace, how amazing, and what joy it is to know, that this miracle of love will endless be. All the riches of his grace shall ever flow from the heart of God throughout eternity. Yes, Jesus wrought a miracle of love. Jesus wrought a miracle of love when he changed this old heart of mine. By the power of grace divine, it was a miracle, a miracle of love. And if you're saved here tonight, so are you. A walking, talking miracle of God's love. Somebody said, I want to see a miracle, say, Look at me. I'm a miracle. I didn't save myself, and I couldn't save myself, but God reached down into the deep, miry clay, and pulled me out of the pit, cleansed me, and put my feet upon the rock, and established my goings, put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto God. To God be the glory, amen. amen? Take your Bible one last time, turn to the book of Galatians. I don't know if you can imagine, but when you come down to... Uh, saying your last uh, words to a congregation of people, which have been uh, wonderfully involved in praying for our ministry over the years, it's kind of hard to just preach uh, just a highfalutin message. I, mean, I can't. I never did that anyway. But uh, I found in praying about this, the Lord just saying. Give them the basics. (laughs) Just give them the basics. And I think we tried this uh, week to do that. And I want to leave you uh, thinking about something that all of us know about. And in Galatians chapter 6, there are some things here I'd like to share with you, as well as some personal uh, admonitions. But if you found your place in Galatians chapter 6, let's start reading from verse 1. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As as we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Let's pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, uh, this is a message which I need, and I need to rehearse it over and over and over again in my life for dear Lord we're so frail and fragile we're so weak need about so many things but Lord this is thy word and it's able to fortify our faith it's able to convict us and convince us of our lack of enthusiasm and energy for the Lord it can encourage us in a great way. So I pray that uh, these few minutes, every thought of our heart and mind would be brought into the captivity of Christ. And we would see Jesus lifted up here tonight that he might draw men and women, boys and girls, to himself. This is all about you, dear Lord. And I pray that you would get glory through this meeting tonight. That the praise and the glory would redound to your name. So have your will and way, we ask it in our precious Savior's name, the Lord Jesus. Amen. You know, there's a lot of faults amongst Christians. You're looking at probably a big one right in front of you. <laughs> a lot of faults. People build houses on fault lines, don't they? And they do. And uh, they do it at great risk. Uh, but anyway, we do it because the world is torn, the earth is uh, being rent and uh, anything from volcanoes to landslides to floods to you name it. And yet we continue to build homes and places that people say, "Why did you build it there?" Sometimes it's necessary, and sometimes it's impossible to build somewhere else. But we're faulty. Because we're human. We're faulty because we're not yet totally redeemed. We have been saved if we have trusted Christ as our Savior. We're being saved by the power of our blessed Lord throughout our earthly walk. Saved from all kinds of things. But we will be eternally saved when Jesus returns and calls us unto himself and makes us like unto him. This mortal putting on immortality and this corruption putting on incorruption. But right now we have weaknesses. We have frailty. Sometimes we have some stupidity. Ignorance. I look at this verse and... uh, I'm admonished in a great way. If I'm a brethren, if I'm a brother in the Lord, if I'm a man who confesses Christ Jesus as my Savior, there was a time and a place in my life, which there was, when I humbled myself before Almighty God and simply prayed and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, And I put my complete trust in him. I stopped trying to be a Christian. I started trusting to be one. Big difference. So right here he's speaking to me. Brethren, Glenn Weeks, if a man be overtaken in a fault, that could be someone in the church, could be someone that we have made acquaintance with outside of the church who is also a believer. I believe he's speaking about believers here in particular. If a man be overtaken in a fault, well, if you're a spiritual individual, you'll be prepared to restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Just a word of warning and a word of admonition. Don't have a knee-jerk reaction to anything that you hear. It's just about the easiest thing for a person to do is to say, yeah, see, there I told you. And uh, we don't have a clue half of the time about what's been on that individual's plate, what they have been dealing with. So don't have knee-jerk reactions in the spiritual realm. Uh, Brother Sid Hunter, who was the editor of the Biblical Fundamentalist for many years, and prior to that, the Maranatha Messenger and uh, newspaper that was circulated in North Queensland and then reached throughout Australia and even into other parts of Asia and around the traces, Brother Sid Hunter and I were discussing things one day, and he'd get quite a number of critical letters as you can well imagine somebody takes a stand on righteousness and he gets some critical letters and the flesh is tempted to put pen to paper right there and now said "How have you to know you know he said I don't do that God's helping me I said I have a 24-hour file (laughs) so he said I just put that in there let it ferment for 24 hours and Think about it. He said, if it's really something fierce, they got a 48-hour file. <laughs> and uh, I think it's good for us to just wait just a tiny little bit before we jump in with both feet and find out that we didn't know all the facts. So brethren, if you see someone overtaken in a fault, I would say that we would be wise to think about how we'd like to be treated if we had maybe... Slipped and skinned our knees spiritually. I think it would be wise if we would say, Well, if it was me, I would like to have an opportunity to at least get right before people kick me along the side of the road. It's said that the Christian army is the only army that shoots its casualties. That's a shame. Um, we need to be spiritual in our reactions. And that means to be like Christ. Like some of the examples in the New Testament we uh, ov- overlook sometimes. I, I think of uh, Demas hath forsaken me, uh, and yet the door was still open. Uh, bring John Mark, he's now profitable unto me. Uh, These kind of things. I think we're too quick oftentimes to write people off and just say, well, uh, that's what they want to do. They're not walking along with us. Uh, Give them a break for a little bit. Don't be quick to uh, have a knee-jerk reaction. Be spiritual in in, in the spirit of meekness. Meekness is not weakness. Moses was the meekest of men, but was there ever anyone stronger? Moses was uh, not eloquent. He needed Aaron, but Moses, uh, he stood in the gap. And uh, so when we think of meekness, it's not weakness, not just compromise and bend over. No, it's not that at all. It's wisdom under control, strength under control. And uh, we see that we ought to be willing to restore. Uh, These folks who sometimes slip away, but when they turn again and repent, we need to be willing to say, come on in. We love you, for Christ's sake. We want to see you advance spiritually. There's nothing greater in a preacher's life than to see people advance spiritually. Uh, I would feel absolutely worthless if I were to stand up in front of folks and not uh, desire to uh, see them go forward and upward in their spiritual life. And uh, we as believers, as brethren, uh, according to this, we, we need to be ready to restore upon repentance, genuineness, genuine sorrow. Uh, even the most critical. Some, sometimes people go out there on Facebook. Uh-oh, sorry, I said the word. I I, I must tell you, I just, you know, never mind. Sorry. Say it. Isn't it amazing what people will say on Facebook and think it's just kind of a private conversation? Two billion people are seeing that. Anyway. It's amazing how some people can go out and rag on a church or rag on an assembly or rag on uh, even a preacher and then think it's not going to come back and bite them. And this is passage, we'll talk about that in a minute as we continue on. But uh, we still, even though it can be severe and hurtful and disappointing and, and even disgusting, Yet ye which are spiritual, the mind of Christ, the father of the the, uh, child that had taken his inheritance and gone away, the prodigal. When he saw the prodigal get out of the pig pen and start back toward home, the father came out with open arms. He must have stunk living in that pig pen. We used to ride pigs when we were kids. Man. Here comes this prodigal having been not just riding them, but eating husk with them. Oink, 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 you know. He decides that the servants in his father's house are better off than he is, though he spent his... Entire inheritance on riotous living, riotous living. All the vices that you can imagine. And yet when he turned and came back, the father said, my son, come. We need to have that kind of uh, spirituality about us. And uh, by this shall all men know that ye are my brethren, brethren. If you have love, one unto another, my people. I, I don't want to camp there any longer. I hope that that's just a word to the wise. But I do want to go down to verse 7. Uh, also in, in uh, verse number 3, the word deceiveth himself is found there. The subject of being deceived, self-deception. James says it like this. Be ye a hearer of the word only but a doer of the word and work, deceiving your own selves. Don't be a hearer of the word only, deceiving yourself. You know, a lot of people will listen to Christmas carols in the next few days. They'll be warming to their psyche or whatever. They'll think about days gone by of family get-togethers and and uh, you know, the Yule logs and and figgy pudding and all of that, so, you know, you'll 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 hear people say, Oh, is Christmas is just so sweet and wonderful. And yet they deceive themselves if they don't trust the virgin born son of God before it's eternally too late. The whole world is wrapped up in uh, the merchandization of this matter of Christmas in so many ways, and yet the true story of Christmas is not told as long and loud as it should be. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's all of us. Uh, The great rescue plan of God, the simple plan of salvation, God dying in our place and delivering us from eternal damnation and judgment. So, the the idea of deception is here. In verse 7, he said, be not deceived. Don't allow yourself to be deceived. For a man think himself something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Have you ever thought, about how tiny you and I are in comparison to 7 billion people on the planet. We think about great crowds at the MCG watching the championship games, and I've been down there for one in the past, and I couldn't get any closer than being in the tunnel. Somebody said, you see that? I said, I can't see anything. 100,000 people there kind of thing large crowds. But have you ever just paused to think about the fact that you and I are pretty minuscule in relationship to 7 billion people presently on the planet and 7 billion that have lived here before us? Um, Pretty tiny. And yet... Don't forget God loves you as an individual. This God we speak about, this Jesus Christ of Nazareth, God incarnate, he loves me. He loves you. It's a wonderful Savior. Be not deceived. God's not mocked. You can't deceive God. God is everywhere present. It's one of his attributes, the omnipresence of God. God is all-knowing, omniscient. There's nothing that God doesn't know. I know so little. The older I get, the less I know. I thought I was brilliant when I was about 14. (laughs) I really did I thought my father was a bit daft and uh, I figured I could make decisions and and uh, go for it you know and then I came back from the war and uh, joined the state police and had a little chit chat with my dad one day and something amazing had happened to him just a total uh, transformation he now seemed to know just about everything and I knew so little But the older I get, and the more I contemplate the eternal varieties of life and death and sin and hell and heaven and all of this, it seems the less I know and the less I think I know. I'm just so glad God knows it all. Amen? I'm glad he knows me, but he still loves me. That's hard to imagine, but he does. God loves you. God loves me. And so we're not to be deceived. God's not mocked. You cannot fool God. Uh, Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13 says something about, He that tries to cover his sin shall not prosper. And, uh, but he that confesses his sin, God will bless. And God is true to his word. God is ever true to what he said in the Bible and it cannot be broken. God cannot deny himself. You and I might be able to deny him in word and deed, but God cannot deny himself. He said that he would save any and all who come unto him by faith, and that's true. Sincere, genuine trust. God always answers. Be not deceived. God's not mocked. You're, You're not going to be able to stand before Almighty God, and everyone will, and have this notion that he doesn't know everything about you. He does. And he knows that you are condemned already, save you trust him for forgiveness. Be not deceived, God's not mocked. Secondly, not only is he not fooled or mocked, he said, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall that man reap. Now, we got farmers and gardeners and people here tonight who would verify this. Stand up and give testimony that it's absolutely true. You plant a tomato, you don't get a potato. Pretty deep theology there. And... Uh, But you, uh, what you plant, you not only get one back, you may get up to a hundredfold. I know I've told you this in the past. When I was a lad, my dad said, Glenn, I want you to go plant the corn. And uh, because we had crows that loved corn, he would take creosote, put it in a bucket and swish it around with a, kernels of corn so that the crows would be deterred. Some of them still had asbestos beaks I'm sure because they still tried to get it. Did you ever try to eat something that had creosote on? I hope not. But anyway he had the ground plowed up and he had the furrows done and he said now what I want you to do is drop three in every pile one for the ground, because sometimes the ground just doesn't germinate the seed. So you give one to the ground. And he said, give one to the crows and one to grow. So I said, well, that's easy enough. He said, then take a step. One for the ground, one for the crow, and one to grow. Take another step. One for the ground, one for the crow, and one to grow. Now that was great. Except it got really hot that day, and the sun was burning down on me, and my fingers were getting a little sore from the creosote, and the, the odor of the creosote was getting to my head, kind of spinning around, getting a headache. So I said, I know what I'll do. I just take a handful, one for the ground and some for the crows, and some to grow. Take another step. A handful. Big mistake. I not only ran out of seed before the time of finishing the rose that he had done for me, and yet when, once you put it in the ground, you took your foot and went over. I didn't tell you that part, I should have. I've tried to forget this story, it, it was painful for me. But anyway, a couple of weeks later, my father said, uh, Glenn, after we finish the meal, we're going up to the garden. It a bit unusual because he usually went up and left us boys to supposedly do our homework. <laughs> that's a deception story of, of itself, too. But um, I said, oh, okay, Dad, no worries. You know, up up to the garden we go, and I heard snap. And I knew exactly what that was because that's where he got his switches for... Switching our attitude from one point to another. <laughs> and now, I know that's not politically correct, but my dad was, he could care less about political correctness. <laughs> and so do I, by the way. I'm not, you know, glad I was trained right. So I knew something was up, and we get up there, and sure enough, it looks like a sugarcane field rather than a cornfield. And my dad says, uh, not only are you going to be punished for this, and we have to pick out several of them to give some a chance to grow, he said, when the corn comes to harvest, you get none. Now, I can take a whole bunch of beatings, but don't tell me I can't have my sweet corn on the cob. I mean, I can eat it like a typewriter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm roll it into butter, salt, pepper. I can kill several cobs over a short period of time. But you know, my dad was a man of his word. And I remember there was a few stalks of corn left that grew and and budded out and eared out. And he made me go up to that garden and get a dozen ears of corn. Strip them, get all the silk off them, give them to mother so she could boil them, get them just right, and then he served them at the table. He went, one for your sister, one for your mother, one for your brother, and one for me. But not you, Glenn. I said, uh, (laughs) he looked at me and said, you have a short memory, son. Be not deceived. I will not be mocked by allowing you to participate eating corn when I told you and you were disobedient. I never forgot that lesson And I don't want you to forget it either. Be not deceived. Whatever you sow in your life, you're going to reap it. A.W. Tozer said this, what you're thinking today, you're becoming tomorrow. And he's right. If you're dwelling on good thoughts and you're planning on doing good deeds and you're uh, figuring out how you can serve the Lord and you're asking God to help you, you can mark it down, you're going to get a great, great harvest of good fruit. But if you're thinking how you can deceive God, or you're thinking about how you can get away with something, you're thinking that you don't qualify, or you don't uh, come under God's uh, admonitions to be in the church and to get involved in the church and, and to be faithful to church and to be Uh, honest and and have some integrity about you, you can mark it down, you're going to harvest some bad fruit, consequences which are going to be harmful to your life. God's not mocked. But nobody believes that today much. Be not deceived, God's not mocked. You sow it, you reap it. Now, initially, he said here in verse 8, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So, what do we see? If you are unsaved here tonight, there's never been a time and a place in your life where you humbled yourself before Almighty God and cried out and said, Lord, I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me and save me for Jesus' sake, then here's a verse for you, which will come true. You sow to the flesh. You're just a fleshly-minded person, natural, doing what people in the world do, just like in Noah's day. They married, they built, they uh, gave in marriage, and they were just living... Lives, But the one thing you don't see there is any acknowledgement of God in their life. They failed to give God any kind of acknowledgement, any kind of uh, place in their life. So what happened? When the rain fell, after the door of the ark was shut, you could hear their fingernails scraping down the side of the ark, trying to save themselves. And the screams and the horror of, No more opportunity. You can mark it down that there will be no more opportunity for you when you die without being converted. And you will not have access to God, to his heaven, to eternal bliss. It will all be over. Don't Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. You sow to the flesh, you're of the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. Corruption, vileness, and all that goes with going to a place called hell. But on the other hand, praise God, here's a promise for you. If you decide to sow to the Spirit, you shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. It's your choice. You can turn from your self-seeking, self-centered, self-directed way and say, dear Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for sinners and I'm going to trust you and ask you to take control of my life and help me to live it to your honor and glory. What's at the end of that road? Life everlasting. And when will that happen to you? Some people think they're going to live a long time. Some people just have it in their mind that, oh, so and so died at 14, 15, 16. So and so died at 25. It's a bit of a shame. They had a lot of life to live. Got in mind that we're going to not just live to 80 or 90. We're just going to. No, no. You're coming to the end there somewhere. And it's brief. Life is but a vapor. It appeareth for a little time and then it vanisheth away. My wife and I love to go to a little lake in the late autumn of the year. All the summer people have left and gone back to school. It's quiet. little rowboat, a couple of fishing rods few worms for my wife. She likes to use worms, like the little boy down at the dock. He's catching all the fish, and these two old fishermen go down there. I say, how are you catching these fish? He said, it's all washing the worm off before you put it on the hook. <laughs> anyway, I've got to leave you something to remember me by. <laughs> I've oftentimes thought about Pastor McConnell and all the trout that he catches. I wonder if he baits the hook with water. I don't think. Anyway, my wife and I like to go out early in the morning when the mist is on the water. And there's a bird called the loon. Like the song Claire de Lune. Our daughter used to play that on the piano. I can hear it right now. But there's a a loon that, across the water. It's eerie. And yet if you know what it is, it's beautiful. My wife and I get in a little boat. I make her row. (laughs) She likes it. We go out in the middle of that little lake, and I'll bait her hook for her. She takes it, throws it out. Can't even see where it lands, but you hear it. let it sink down a little bit. And Glenn, it's on, it's on, it's on. Man, the mist just goes. It's that fast, you know. We love doing it, but I'll tell you what. It's only a very few minutes that that vapor is on that water. And in comparison to eternity, that's what our lives are like. So don't think you're going to live forever. So do the Spirit now. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Don't look for some great writing across the sky of your life that God loves you. He tells us that in the Bible. And there's many of us here tonight who can testify yes, I was just a sinner. But I came, and he pardoned me of all my sin, gave me life. In closing, it says, and let us not be weary in well-doing. People get weary, I know this, because I do. People can get tired because I do. But be not weary in well doing. Well doing. So good seed. So love. So compassion. So kindness. So interest. So things in people's lives that will come back in a great harvest of good things. Blessed things let's not be weary in well doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And then in verse 10 he says and as we have therefore opportunity let us do good unto all men especially to the household of faith. You know sometimes people are hard to do even good things for but don't let that stop you don't let that stop you sometimes a a cake a meal sometimes just mowing somebody's grass doing something kind opens the door up to share your faith And why God would have you to do that. And it does touch people's lives. Think about. Doing good to all men. That mean. Neighbor from hell. Just can't be pleased with whatever you do. Do good to him. But especially to the household of faith. Be thinking about. How I can do good to them because it's pleasing to our blessed Heavenly Father. I hope you think on a few of these things. It's basic, but these are things to build on in my life and in yours. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the privilege that's been mine to preach in this church year upon year upon year. Thank you for the joy that is mine, and I believe some others that have found Christ here. Lord, we love you. We dearly want to never disappoint you, but sometimes we do. Help us not to be discouraged, but to fall upon our face before you and say, Lord, I pray you forgive me for you've promised to do so and help us to get back up on our feet and march on and to look to you to lead us and direct us in our lives for they're so very, very short. Help us to make the most out of them. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen.